Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We hope you all had a very Merry Christmas, had a wonderful time with your uh, family and friends, got everything you wanted under the tree. And if you didn't, I hope you returned it and got something you liked. And hey, maybe you're listening to us while you're uh, heading back from the store from getting what you really wanted. But anyway, always glad to have you with us. Uh, We are in the midst of our year-end awards, six very special episodes of the Three Martini Lunch. We started them on Christmas Eve, and then the final five installments are uh, this week as we uh, go through a number of different awards for politics from the year 2021, all culminating on Friday with our very special edition of Person of the Year, Turncoat of the Year, and uh, predictions for 2022. So in today's installment, we're looking at the political figure we're most sorry to see go. Uh, We're also talking about rising political stars and political figures who are fading into oblivion. And Jim, when it comes to politically related passings in 2021, it's a huge list. Um, there are, are many that we could cite, and we probably will once we uh, reveal our top choices here. But uh, certainly no no dearth of options, unfortunately, both sides of the aisle and so forth. So uh, from that distinguished list, who topped your list as the, uh, the figure you're most sorry to see go? I stretch you over a bunch, and maybe some of my non-selected ones, or one of my non-selected ones will end up being your choice. Um, I, in fact, I, I almost went with Bob Dole, and I ended up going with the man who became kind of famous for impersonating Bob Dole, or one of the reasons he was famous. Comedian Norm MacDonald, which might seem like an unusual choice for a mostly political podcast, um, but I think there are a couple aspects of Norm MacDonald's delightfully deadpan, dry, <laughs> sarcastic sense of humor, um, from stand-up to Siren Out Live to uh, uh, various other comedic performances and appearances, uh, that, that just kind of jump out and that ended up being a, a more culturally relevant, you know, sense than we uh, may have appreciated at the time, besides the fact that he was taken from us far too young. Um, Norm MacDonald, obviously, you know, most people became aware of him on Saturday Night Live. Pretty quickly, he settled into the weekend update chair. Now, if you ask me who my all-time favorite weekend update anchor would be, I'd instantly say Dennis Miller. Um, but and Norm MacDonald had a sense of humor that I said it was dry, quirky, um, some people even found it a little off-putting. There, there was kind of a, um, as I said, that, that he, he, you know, occasionally he would laugh at himself, but there was kind of this sense that his mind was just working on this totally different level. But I think one thing that just jumps out and ended up becoming a bigger deal, and we probably should have made a bigger deal of it at the time, is that um, this was a right around the time of the O.J. Simpson murder trial. And Norm MacDonald was one of the few figures in public life who was willing to come out and say, no, O.J. Simpson is, is guilty. I don't care what the, uh, the trial says. And he would just go through these, you know, just, just you know, uh, hilarious routines, then make a, a, you know, a joke at O.J. Simpson's expense and kind of look at the camera and say, you're a bad, bad man, O.J. And that was a controversial thing to say at the time. And apparently it was a very controversial thing to say at NBC, where Don Olmeyer was a, big, a longtime buddy of O.J. Simpson's. And uh, who didn't like seeing Sarah Live making fun of him, and really didn't like Norm Macdonald and reportedly forced uh, Norm Macdonald to to depart the program. Um, and it, you know, interestingly, kind of a bit of a brave stance and something that he ended up taking, a, you know, taking a career setback for that. 
Um, you may have seen him on Twitter. You may have seen him on social media. Uh, Norm MacDonald, I, I, I've heard from a colleague, him saying apparently in a, uh, a colleague ran into him and, and MacDonald reportedly said he loved the National Review. I, I hope that's the case. Uh, maybe he was just being nice to my colleague. That's fine. But he always did have a slightly idiosyncratic um, I don't know if it was always explicitly anti-woke or anti-left, but I think he simply refused to go along uh, with this cultural tide of wokeism or leftism that so many of the folks have. He was an, he was an iconoclast. He was not afraid to take a stance uh, completely against everyone. And it's interesting because he, he periodically would make comments indicating religious belief, shall we say, and that he treated it with a bit more respect than you might have expected for a guy who was so snarky and sarcastic and... Uh, uh, perhaps even in some people's eyes, obnoxious. And I'm reminded, ironic because of the cancer that ultimately claimed his life, but I remember his routine where he said, you know, you keep hearing somebody losing a battle with cancer. As far as I see it, when you die, the cancer dies with you. So in my eyes, that's a tie, really. <laughs> I just, you know, for anyone who's ever lost anyone from cancer, it just seems like it's the thought you want. It's the thought you need. And so I, I, I it's one of those with the deaths really kind of hit me and I'm like, wow, I'm going to end up missing him. Um, so Norm MacDonald, you are missed. For a guy who was so snarky and sarcastic, he his you know, uh, whole persona could actually be a much kinder and gentler, no, no George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, pun intended, um, a kinder, gentler persona than we may have expected. So uh, Norm MacDonald, you are missed. Absolutely right. Obviously came as a huge shock. He had not gone public about the fact that he'd been battling cancer. I think it was, what, nine years, uh, mm. that uh, all told. And uh, so it obviously shocked a lot of people. I don't know if there's ever been a time where I've uh, watched more YouTube than after I heard that news over the mm. next couple of days. Just so many uh, funny things. There was this time he was on Conan O'Brien uh, in the fairly early days uh, because the other guest on the show after him was Courtney Thorne-Smith, who was on Melrose Place at the time. But she was leaving Melrose Place to do a feature film that starred Carrot Top. And so, of course, you know, Norm MacDonald can't let that go. And so he's just needling Carrot Top the whole time. And she's just mortified, of course. And so eventually Conan gets control back. And uh, and he says, by the way, have you even told us what the name of this movie is? And Norm just injects right back in and goes, oh, if it stars Carrot Top, it should be called Box Office Poison. <laughs> Oh, I was waiting for him to say, does it matter <laughs> if it starts Captain Top? But, yeah. And so yeah. Uh, she goes, no, no, it's called Chairman of the Board. And Conan shoots back at Norm and says, oh, yeah, do something with that, you freak. And Norm says, yeah, board's probably spelled B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, no, good good choice. Yeah, a little bit out of the box for politics. But, of course, he, like you said, he did the Dole impression. He did Larry King, and um, who also passed away this year. But, uh, yeah, if you look at the list of uh, political luminaries who died this year, it's quite extensive. Uh, you got two presidential nominees, one who was vice president of the United States, Walter Mondale, and Dole, of course, being the other. Uh, two secretaries of state with Colin Powell, who, of course, was chairman of the Joint Chiefs as well. George Schultz, Reagan's Secretary of State, died at the age of 100. Uh, one in the Pentagon, who's still not my choice, but uh, you have to play this clip. Don Rumsfeld, of course, twice mm. Secretary of Defense, and he'll always be known, at least in my mind, for this, Jim. As we know, there are known knowns. Mm. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns the ones we don't know we don't know 
And there is one other from the um, the 1988 presidential campaign who passed away this year, and that's Pete Dupont, the former governor of mm. Delaware, who was actually a commentator here at Radio America for a while. Very nice guy, and he was always talking about conservative ideas. I love the idea of uh, conservatives pushing new, innovative ideas, and he was certainly that. The one that will uh, always. Stick in my mind, though, is when he broke from that tradition and uh, reacted to the death of Cambodian uh, genocide perpetrator Pol Pot. And after listing his whole, you know, catalog of horribles, simply said, uh, hope you brought the summer suit, sport, because it's going to be a hot time in the old town forever. But uh, so I actually kind of have a tie, but officially... Well, I wanted to give a, a shout-out to Pete DuPont, who is a wonderful guy. Uh, I think we have to talk about Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, talk, mm. you talk about conservative ideas, building a, a conservative movement, what, the, what a key role he played there. The rise in talk radio after the elimination of the Fairness Doctrine. The guy who made conservatism fun, uh, whether it was uh, his radio show, his TV show, which was on for a few years. Uh, he absolutely... Loved what he did, and uh, he was a guy who was able to crystallize conservative thought in an entertaining way that also uh, drove home a point. And uh, Rush, of course, battled lung cancer. Um, I think he was diagnosed roughly a year before he passed away. Passed away in mid-February. But uh, I don't think uh, whether you're left, right, or center, whatever you thought of Rush Limbaugh, and of course as conservatives, we love the guy, uh, his impact on politics and media is borderline incalculable. You know... That is the kind of terrific choice, Greg, that makes me say, boy, do I feel stupid for not picking that one. Uh, but I'm glad I said what I said about Norm MacDonald. And it was a rough year. Yes. <laughs> a lot of big legends have passed from the scene uh, and their their impact, you know, will be felt long after they've they've departed this earth. Oh, it's incredible. And that's just uh, a relatively short list in politics going through the list. today. I'm like, oh, that's right. That was this year, too. You look at sports mm. and. You know, Hank Aaron and Bobby Bowden and just a, just a tremendous number of people. Very sad, but their legacies uh, very, very strong. So, uh, Jim, let's uh, turn things a little more to the positive now. You know, it's, it's the holidays, and hopefully we're taking a, a pretty significant break from our workload. But uh, whether it was, uh, you know, the crush of work leading up to the holidays or preparing for what comes after the new year, you know, you're mentally uh, getting ready for that as well. And the good news for you uh, is the fact that you know that every day you get to go to work and have the comfort of your X chair. Greg, if I didn't have the X chair, yeah, I would still do what I do. <laughs> but it would make it all, it would make it tough. Um, I'm reclining in it. Hang on, you can hear my voice get a little further from the microphone as I recline all the way back. All right. Uh, can you hear me now? <laughs> A little further away. Let me lean back up. It's, it's got the massaging options. It's got the heating options. It's got the cooling options. Um, and the point I keep making is that you know if you're if you're like me or you know a whole bunch of fields, you're going to have to spend a lot of time at your desk. Uh, maybe you got a standing desk or you've got some other device that's designed to make things a little easier on your neck and back and arms and all that stuff. You don't want to get, you know, mouse shoulder, mouse arms, but you're you're going to have to be at your desk for long stretches. So you might as well make that time as physically comfortable as possible. And yeah, you could try a pillow or something like that. And go out, get yourself an X chair. You will thank me later. Um, it is simply the finest chair I've ever sat in. Uh, we've joked in the past about when I hosted the, uh, the holiday party, uh, everybody came over, wanted to sit in it, wanted to try it. You're going to have a conversation piece. Everybody, you'll be the envy of everyone 
when you have the X chair. Trust me, it's worth it. Put it on your Christmas list for next year. I, you know, don't, say you want it for your birthday this year. Say you, you didn't get it on your Christmas. You know, return the Christmas gift you didn't want. Put that money towards the X chair. Trust me, it's worth it. Your back will thank you. Absolutely. But order it now because they got a great deal going. Their holiday special is $100 off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairmartini.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. Go to xchairmartini.com and save xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, on to our rising political stars. Who do you have on top of the category this year? Well, I think this figure would probably not prefer the title political, but I think what this figure discusses uh, ended up becoming extremely political in 2021. Um, I, I was thinking about it, you know, look, we, we talk about the COVID-19 pandemic on this podcast quite a bit. And I started thinking about, you know, we kind of hoped that it would be done by this point, And it's not quite done, although I think everyone would agree that we are in better shape now than we were a year ago, and certainly in much, much better shape than they were in, in March 2020. So I started about when there's some new development in the pandemic, some new variant, some new uh, vaccine, a call for boosters, uh, new treatments and drugs, who is the person who I want to hear from the most? And that has turned into former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb. Um, he often appears on CNBC and sometimes CBS uh, Sunday morning shows. Um, he did, appears all over the place, sometimes writes for the Wall Street Journal. And he just seems to have the most even-toned, calm, rational, common sense. He never seems to get out too far in front of his skis. Um, very, if he's made bad predictions or bad assessments during the course of this pandemic, I don't think I've, I don't recall too many of them. And if he did, because he doesn't go out wild on a limb, uh, they're few and far between. And it's, you know, usually not that bad. And it's just one of those things where, look, there's been a lot of, uh, not, first of all, there's been a lot of nonsense out there, a lot of disinformation. There's been a lot of hype. There's been a lot of people downplaying threats, people overplaying threats. Um, it's, it turns into noise. And I think one of the reasons we've had real problems with public communication in this pandemic, besides the fact that um, certain other public health officials are constantly changing their messaging or are uh, overreacting or underreacting one way or the other, I, I think you know the best thing to do is put out to the public what you know, be clear about what you don't know, uh, be clear-eyed about the risks, but don't panic. Don't tell people to shut up in their homes and never go away and never come out. But also don't tell people, be careful, you might want to wear a mask, don't cough in each other's faces, things like that. Scott Gottlieb has turned into the guy who I um, want to hear from the most when there is news on this. I don't know if he's a, you call him a rising star. I, I do. I think Actually, I think we hear a lot more from him now than we did when he was FDA commissioner. And I think before he was FDA commissioner, he was just kind of this obscure healthcare policy one. So uh, Scott Gottlieb, you know, I, I don't know what the whole future holds for you, but he's proven himself invaluable. And I think a lot of people will be listening to him for a long time to come. Yeah, he seems to take a, a more rational approach to everything. He doesn't uh, whip up a lot of emotion in one direction or the other, which is what you want from these scientific figures. Uh, and he's done a much better job of that than than other scientific figures, shall we say. So, uh, yeah, he's been out there and probably is uh, uh, respected more than, than uh, just about everybody else you see uh, speaking on that. So interesting choice there. Uh, for my choice, uh, just on Friday, we talked about you know overrated and underrated political figures. And for underrated, our first choice uh, was Glenn Youngkin, the uh, Republican who won the Virginia governor's race. So he is not my choice this year. 
But I think an intriguing aspect of the Yunkin ticket was the lieutenant governor nominee. Mm. And lieutenant governors don't usually get a ton of attention unless they do a lot of crazy things. But uh, Winsome Sears is a walking counter-narrative to the left's narrative on race. And she's more than happy to express that counter-narrative as well. In fact, here was a part of her victory speech on election night in Virginia, uh, rebuking the Democratic narrative on race. There are some who want to divide us, and we must not let that happen. They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice, and here I am, living proof. She's got the perfect story. She's an immigrant, right? So they, they you know, claim immigrants don't get a fair shot here. She's proof that that's not the case. She's had a successful life here. Uh, and her father, you know, came with very little in his pocket and, and was able to build a successful life. Uh, she's a black woman. That's two areas where the left will tell you that, you know, they can't succeed and that the system is stacked against you. She also served in the U.S. Marine Corps and uh, said because of what this country has given her, she was willing to give up her life in defense of this country. I mean... It's hard to build a better mindset and a better uh, biography, really. But uh, I'm excited to see what she's going to do, not just breaking ties in a very closely divided Virginia Senate. But, Jim, I think she can be a very effective figure in fighting back against uh, some of these lies that we hear from the left. And, of course, as a result of that, the left is already trying to demonize her. I think just like Larry Elder, they've decided, uh, you know, even though she's black, she's really a white supremacist. But uh, Winsome Sears, I think, is one to watch uh, for the next four years and possibly beyond. Greg, I think we have a good award season when every time you mention yours, which I should point out, by the way, to listeners, I have the easy one by going first. If we happen to pick the same one, Greg has to scramble to get a different one. Uh, Greg, uh, if, if, when Greg puts his, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd picked that one. Then I know we've got a good, uh, we are having a good series of these. I salute you. Uh, that was an excellent choice. And uh, once again, I'm like, hmm, wish I thought of that one. <laughs> we should point out, we should have pointed this out at the beginning of the award season, that Jim and I do not confer. We know the categories, obviously, but we do not confer on our choices. And so I think that makes it more fun. So we have uh, very real reactions to each other's choices. But so far, I think we've done an excellent job, if I do say so myself, of, uh, of uh, piquing the other's interest in our choices. So, uh, Jim, uh, in light of that, let's talk about other choices you can make, especially if you're screwing Scrambling still to get someone a Christmas present. You know, it's not like a wedding where you have a year uh, to, to get somebody a present. But, you know, if it's still within a couple of weeks, a uh, month, uh, they'll still appreciate it, especially if it's a high quality product. And especially if it's something, you know, everyone needs like sheets or a mattress topper or a bathrobe or towels or pillows themselves. Everybody's got to sleep, right? Well, that's where my pillow comes in. They've got everything in stock. No back orders, no delayed shipping for any of their products. Because the MyPillow was made 100% right here in the United States and they built a huge inventory, they can ensure that their customers will have gifts for everyone. There are no supply chain issues, no delays, and no backlog. Christmas was not canceled at MyPillow. This season, they are still full stock on all items on their website. Everything from the MyPillows at their lowest price ever to sheets, slippers, robes, and now cardigans. All of them are in stock. All of them are ready to ship fast. 
MyPillow is your one-stop shop for everybody, and including anyone you may have left off your Christmas list. <laughs> and all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting high-quality stuff. I've talked about how much I love the slippers. I still love the towels. Uh, I, I don't really want any other towel because it's so fluffy, so absorbent, so soft. Gets you dry super quick, and it's fantastic. So go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials. For specials like buy one, get one on Giza Dream Sheets or the lowest price ever on the MyPillow Premiums when you uh, use promo code MARTINI. Or call 800-874-0104. Don't miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, we're on to the political figure fading into oblivion. This is one that I have whiffed on in the past. Uh, I believe I've twice given the award to Anthony Weiner, and he kept coming back <laughs> thinking, no, certainly this time it's the end. No, he keeps coming back. So I'm not going to pick Anthony Weiner this year, but I'm curious first to know who you picked. That's a really uh, – look, he never came back quite the same way. I think we can at least uh, you know, give you credit for that one. So for this one, Greg, I started thinking about who do we not talk about in 2021 who you might have expected us to talk about more, who was still seemed like they were going to be relevant to the political scene, relevant to what's getting passed in Washington, somebody who still had a great impact on, on the, the scope of the debate. And I thought about it. I went back. So I ended up with someone who was on paper uh, a major contender in the 2020 Democratic presidential primary, but who I think has kind of become an afterthought in Washington in 2021, and that is Elizabeth Warren. Um, she still is a senator. She still weighs in on things, but um, she's not quite the leader of the left wing of the party, the way people talk about Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or the squad or anything like that. She certainly is not a holdout or a centrist in the lines of uh, Joe Manchin or, or Kirsten Cinema or something like that. Um, and the interesting thing is, is that I don't think conservatives particularly uh, in fact, I don't think they like her at all. But intriguingly, I don't feel like you see a lot of segments about her on Fox News. Ironically, she's just not someone I think people pay attention to the same way they used to. And so I think this might be between her age, her time in Washington and all that. I think this might kind of be uh, we might have seen the last hurrah from Elizabeth Warren. She's still going to keep issuing her statements. And a lot of the times this year, she's argued that it wasn't really inflation and that it was price fixing by these evil corporate conspiracies and all kind of stuff through this stuff. Uh, yeah, but even that doesn't get nearly as much ridicule as the sorts of things you hear from Joe Biden or Jen Psaki or Prime Minister Ron Klain um, or even Kamala Harris. I, I think that just, you know, Elizabeth Warren is just not somebody who folks on the left spend a lot of time thinking about anymore. And I don't think she's someone folks on the right spend a lot of time thinking about anymore. So I think this is the beginning of a steady fade into oblivion for Elizabeth Warren. That is a fascinating choice. She did not cross my mind, but you make an excellent argument for that because she has not been a leading figure on really any of the major debates that have played out in Washington, on any of the major spending bills, on Afghanistan, all these different issues that have come before Congress. She's really been either quiet or just somebody whose opinion hasn't uh, gotten the attention of the media or the American public. She's really been behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, maybe her job is done. She kneecapped Mike Bloomberg. She kneecapped Bernie Sanders by staying in when everybody else got out because they knew that she'd siphon off more votes from Sanders than Biden in 2020. And so, you know, she's uh, gotten to the point age-wise, I think, where it's unlikely that she would run in 2024 if, you know, there's not Biden running again. Even if it's an open seat, I doubt she would do it. It's 
You never know, though, since Biden and Sanders both did it in, in 2020. She could certainly fit the demographic for uh, what they're looking for in a nominee. But, uh, yeah, she's just not uh, the top tier media figure, top tier uh, person spearheading issues that she was just a very short time ago. It's it's a fascinating, fascinating choice. Um, I have two names here and I, I was really torn. By now, of course, nearly two years into the pandemic, I was really hoping it would be Dr. Fauci, but he's never going anywhere, I'm convinced, unfortunately. Uh, would love it to be the Cuomo brothers, but you know they're coming back in some form or fashion. It's just a matter of when and how. Uh, thought about uh, Dr. Burks because she was kind of the, 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 the second fiddle there to uh, Dr. Fauci. But uh, uh, I'm going to go with a guy that everybody's happy to see go and who everybody hopes will stay quiet. And I hope I'm going to be right about this. And that's Bill de Blasio. Uh, he's uh, at the end of his second term as New York City mayor. He's extraordinarily unpopular. I think the latest numbers I saw, and it's been a while ago now, but low to mid-20s. I mean, he's <laughs> he's uh, basically offended everyone. Crime is up. Uh, you know, his uh, lockdowns and, and mandates and really uh, hounding the Jewish community over uh, COVID policy and other things over the years. He's just been a complete disaster, uh, a socialist, essentially, as as mayor trying to push forth a, uh, a far-left agenda. Uh, what he was able to get through has proven to not be successful. New York is uh, definitely worse off uh, compared to eight years ago. And uh, hopefully, Eric Adams will be far better, at least on law and order, uh, compared to Bill de Blasio, who basically uh, let things burn uh, last summer, whereas Eric Adams, I think, given a, the fact that he is a former police officer, will take a tougher stand on that, but only time will tell. But uh, from his obnoxious um, demeanor towards New Yorkers who disagreed with them, his uh, horrific record across the board, nobody's going to miss him. And unless he runs a uh, pointless campaign for governor <laughs> next year, like he's talked about, I think uh, people will gladly forget that he's that he was even around. That is an excellent choice. I, this it's the one that makes me kind of want to rename the, uh, the the category instead of simply fading into oblivion. Get lost. <laughs> Go away. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> also, our special commemorative uh, award for for groundhog safety will also be given to this. Uh... Oh man. Yeah, we're going to have to retire the groundhog jokes, or at least be more creative in how, in how we apply them, I guess. But, uh, man, New York, you've survived. Barely, but you've survived. And good luck to Adams, because you got a lot to improve on up there. But uh, anyway, he's got four years to try. Jim, quite a day. We covered a whole lot of ground there, and uh, I think all good choices across the board. Tomorrow, in the Tuesday edition, we'll tackle three more categories Worst Scandal of 2021, Best Political Theater, and Worst Political Theater of the Year in Politics. So plenty more to talk about tomorrow. Hope you'll join us then. Jim, I know we'll see you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Always grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those definitely help us out. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Jim is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday. And please join us again on Tuesday for the next... Three Martini Lunch. 
Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.